Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When the city of Wuhan, China locked down at the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, it was nearly impossible to get a clear sense of what was happening. But award-winning filmmaker Young Chang and a group of intrepid videographers were able to document life in the epicenter, including portraits of a couple expecting a baby, quarantined families in a Byzantine shelter, dedicated medical workers, and a psychologist facing her own family crisis while helping patients with an unknown threat. The film is called Wuhan, Wuhan, and it is an intimate, up-close-and-personal look at the, the, the days in which many people had really no idea what was happening and how, to the degree to which it was going to impact themselves, their community, their, their city, and the world. And it is, uh, it's a remarkable documentary, and we're fortunate to have with us again. Thank you for coming back. Uh, Young Chang, Young, welcome to, back to Film School Radio. Thanks so much, uh, Mike. I'm so happy to be here. I'm just kind of curious about when did you feel like you wanted to document what was going on? What was your sense at the point in which you made this decision about the trajectory of what was going on? Did you have any idea? How did this happen? It's a little backstory here. I mean, I wasn't actually on location in Wuhan when the film was being filmed. I, in, in fact, inherited 300 hours of raw footage that my team had filmed and I was uh, entrusted with the responsibility to piece the movie together. And essentially it was kind of, in my opinion, I kind of treated it like found footage. You know, I was, I was able to sit in a work remotely firstly, because I couldn't travel. I was stuck in Toronto. Um, this was in April, 2020. Uh, they, the team had been filming in February and March of 2020, uh, 300 hours of footage, like I said, and uh, following nine different characters. And I was given the call to see if I could piece it together. And so I I wasn't sure, I asked to look at the footage. Uh, I, they gave me 10 hours to look at. This would be the, um, the studio behind the film called Starlight Media based in uh, Los Angeles. And I looked at the footage and, and it, it shook me, you know, and, and this was early days. So I was, I was sort of vividly living through what was happening in Wuhan and, and seeing that that was mirroring what was happening in here in, in North America. You know, we were just about to go through that first wave. And there was a combination of events. You know, there was a something that I, that I carried forward into the filmmaking was an incident that happened to my daughter and I in West End Toronto, which was uh, where I live in West End Toronto. We had, we were on a walk March 31st, 2020 in the neighborhood. And there was a man who, uh, uh, unfortunately, we had an anti-Chinese racist incident and uh, and it was directed towards myself and my daughter. And it was shocking to me because I hadn't experienced something like that since I was a kid growing up in a small town. And to know that, oh, this is what we're entering, you know, this is, this is where things are going in no small way aided by the ex-president in the US, you know, saying things like China, virus and Kung flu. And then we know now uh, how much Asian hate there was and not reported and, and reported recently. And, and now it's come to the media's attention. My daughter and I didn't get a severe kind of attack, but enough that it was 
seared in my brain and that I carried it forward into the filmmaking because through the footage of the film, I saw that it wasn't about statistics and headlines and numbers. Uh, it was about humanizing, putting a human face behind this city, Wuhan. And, and that's, that's really what I hope to try to do with this movie. Thank you for bringing that into our conversation because it is a it is a part of the world we live in now and and how easy it is to sort of trigger uh, this kind of reaction, this hatred, this blind racism that uh, that we in the United States have been experiencing. And in looking at these different, I think we follow basically four or five different stories. That's right. The expectant couple, which I just fell in love with. Um, yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. And and also the, the woman and her young son who are also in the hospital. They're all, all of these stories are about different aspects from the point of view of the caregivers and the people who are on, on the other end who are dealing with this. As a filmmaker, I know looking through 300 hours of film and trying to sort of distill it down to its essence and finding these stories. And that's the beautiful part of a, a documentary filmmaker is this ability to kind of distill the humanity and all of this for us, especially in Wuhan, Wuhan. But what were the challenges for you as you were fashion as you were putting together these different stories? I mean, it was there was a lot of challenges. I mean, firstly, I think it was that I had to familiarize with the material. I, usually as a film director, I'm on location and I know the ins and outs, the, the behind the scenes, which can be a, an Achilles heel, you know, to the process of filmmaking. And, and in my past films, I, I tend to step back in the editing process and allow the editors to take the first stab at piecing together the what they see through in the material. Uh, so in a positive way, in this regard, I had I was in that editor's chair in a way, and, and having the distance from the footage to see the story. And it came together much faster than I've ever experienced, usually because I'm hanging on to things that I like, that I liked and I want to see in the movie, and I can't let go uh, with when I'm too close to it. But in this regard, I was sort of like this, you know, nine different characters. We, I knew quickly which ones weren't going to carry through the story. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I'm grateful that, you know, Starlight Media was able to kind of put together the resources to finish the film. And we had, I had two editors, which is unprecedented. I've never had two editors before working simultaneously of Chinese descent uh, in Los Angeles, plus another two associate editors, all working together, all with this like drive, working remotely. That was the other challenge. Usually you're in the editing room and you can have a hands-on feel and, and make things happen quickly, but here we were, you know, the editors would work on something, I'd wait, they'd send it to me, I'd watch it. And it was, I have to tell you, many late nights uh, with the time difference, um, you know, just slogging through the footage and piecing together. Uh, but oddly, it was a, I felt it'd be a very smooth and rewarding process. Uh, we, we nailed the kind of theme that we wanted to get through. And, and that was just showing these Wuhan everyday folks, you know, and, and getting through their story and, and, and also aided by the great material we had. The young couple, uh, the pregnant woman and her, her partner, her husband, uh, who volunteers as a medical driver, just the immediate kind of conflict between that, that story and, and the toughness of this, this, the, the, the mother, the wife, to, the mother to be, and, and just, and knowing that that story carried through 
to the birth. And it's not a spoiler alert. I mean, it goes, it goes in that direction that we had to anchor the film around that. That was the core of the story. And, and I think it made it step outside the ICU and the medical world. It really, I think what our film does is kind of take the position of the patients and the, uh, and the essential workers and look through their story as well, not just the, um, the medical doctors and nurses. Well, and through that story, it's Yin and Shu, we see the small picture and the big picture of the effect of COVID on Wuhan because right. their their medical situation has to do with her pregnancy. That's right. So and so and it's also sort of this kind of wonderful existential thing about birth in a in a yeah. time of uh, of this great crisis. He's working to help the community through this time. And she is certainly, uh, her attention is obviously focused on her birth. And there's a tremendous amount of drama in all of that. Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's a that's a great through line for the for this film, Wuhan, Wuhan. I'm, I'm glad you, 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 you described it wonderfully, the existential kind of aspect of having to prepare to give birth in times of a pandemic, which is, you know, I have a young daughter who's four, and I remember the existential state of giving birth without the pandemic and, you know, just facing the the unknown future. And then to, to double down on it here with this story. Yeah, it, it, I think for me, and some people have observed when they've watched the film, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to put into words the maybe the emotional timber of that, that moment. And I think you describe it well by using the word existential, because there is a there is that unknown. And when we get to that place, it is, I don't know, some people have said sort of cathartic and also it's hard for me to put into words, but there's a feeling there. There's a feeling of, of seeing ourselves through these characters, the universality of that story and, and positioning ourselves and reflecting back on our, our time here now with this pandemic. And it shifts, it shifts with every change in the you know, the progression of this virus and, and our reaction to it. And, uh, and I find that very interesting. I, I think that that, to me, I'm hoping the audiences will, will, will want to watch the film, hopefully, not for uh, hopefully getting beyond the idea that it's a pandemic film, but hopefully more of this story of, uh, of uh, how we are dealing with something in a universal way and, and can relate to things universally and, and that the emotions we all feel are the same. And, and I think that was a, a quote that we gravitated towards. It was a seventh century Japanese quote that was written to a Chinese official back in the day. And, uh, and I'll read it to you. We're from different lands and separated by mountains and waters, yet above us, we share the same sky and the same feelings. And, and that was the, the thing that I think we wanted to get across. And one other last thing about that, and that is that in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this uncertainty and tragedy, the the uh, the immutable force of of life goes on. We are we are. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, we're still gonna we're still gonna you know babies are gonna be born. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have arguments. We're going to cry. We're going to laugh. You know, we're going to laugh a lot. We're going to go run the gamut of our of our existential lives. Um, uh, and it's and it isn't such a straight through line. It is complicated. And 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 that's OK. You know, I think I wanted to show that 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 
also to show that people, the Chinese, there's Chinese people that, who are going through the same thing. And, and I felt that that was, um, there was a faceless kind of aspect to the way Wuhan was being depicted. And, and when I shared the film with early audiences, when we were finishing the film, you know, people reacted, Western audiences reacted in the way that is quite typical, like sort of, oh, I thought, I thought Wuhan was a, a backwards village with a wet market. You know, it's not, they didn't understand that Wuhan is a, a, a cosmopolitan metropolis of 11 million people with a thriving uh, culture, uh, art culture and punk music scene and, and all sorts of things like that. And, and I wanted to kind of get that across. Incidentally, the music in the film is by a local Wuhan band uh, whose music I love. And they're one of the first uh, punk bands in China. And, uh, and they've gone on to, they've composed music for a previous fiction film that I loved called um, An Elephant Sitting Still, one of my favorite films in this decade. And uh, you may know it. Yeah, I know. I know of it. Is that the filmmaker who passed? Is That's it? right. Who committed suicide? That's, That's right. right. I, I um, wanted this. Oh my god, I haven't seen it, but I've heard. Oh, seen it. it's the best. And actually, my distributor for this is not a movie. Um, Kim Stim Films is yeah. the distributor in the U.S. with uh, for for Elephant Sitting Still. So uh, uh, I highly recommend that movie. And and that's what I was when I learned that it was like I got to get these these guys, and they they were fantastic to work with. And and just about, and on top of that, you know, like the calligraphy you see in the opening of the film with the main title was done by a Wuhanese calligrapher. I really, you know, I wanted to do it that way. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for introducing that part of the, the story, Wuhan. Uh, it, it, just what you described. I'm not going to try to do any better than that, but that's exactly <laughs> right. That, that essentially uh, we have perceptions. And also let's not sort of dismiss or look the other way in that we have political leadership in this country who has essentially fostered this idea of the backward, you know, this is backwater right. and these are people who are barely able to put together, you know, uh, right. a, a sort of community at all, when in fact the, the opposite is true. Um, well, they want, you know, this idea of laying blame on the, on the other. And, yeah. uh, and I think that, that that's why we see the divisiveness and the racism peak uh, because it's 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 uh, fanned, you know the the flames are fanned and and uh, and that's the that's I was reacting to that and you know we started editing the movie back in April 2020 so early days you know uh, what I saw in the footage was a, a a city of people trying to figure out what the heck was going on and 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 coming together which you are not you weren't really hearing about we know there's inherent problems with the way things were initially rolled out the reaction right in in every almost every country not i'm not just putting you know pointing to the chinese government but like i think in every country and currently even in, in where i am now in toronto as we enter a third wave that's worse than our first wave and largely due to government politics uh getting in the way of good science and so I was seeing that this was what the story was about, people coming together to, and just doctors and nurses figuring it out, just doing the job, you know? Exactly. And, and, and my, I made a short film called Pandemic 19 that, that you can watch on World Channel that was about American doctors. It's a short film that I was making concurrently with this Wuhan Wuhan film with my co-director, who was my wife, Annie. And that film focuses on three frontline American doctors, one of whom is my cousin in California, who decides to go off and volunteer in New York to help out there at the peak uh, of the first wave in America. 
And I think there's similarities in just the way doctors and frontline central, you know, these workers are driven. I kind of wanted to cut through the bullshit to get to that story. This is a, another discussion and a long one if we were to have it. And, and that is this idea of Trump and the people who who are enamored with him. Um, yeah. There are others. Certainly we can go, you know, there's a long list of people yeah. who are trying to shoehorn a narrative into a situation that they want to control for their own purposes, racism or political power or a lot of other things. And they, yeah. they, they have managed to do that to a large degree. Yeah. And I, and this is another, you know, sort of bigger picture for me. And that is we, I feel like we're currently in the throes of a struggle between modernity and something else, some sort of religious weirdness that that seems hell bent on controlling something that they used to control pretty you know pretty well, which was how civilization operated, how communities were. I feel like we're in this kind of battle right now between a modern perspective and this kind of witch doctor approach to life. And I I don't I don't. Am I, yeah. I, again, we don't, you don't have to. No, I, I mean, if I, I can comment on that, I mean, I think fear and hate are very easy, um, uh, you know, ideas to tap into and to foment. And I think when I look at the people that are fomenting that hatred and fear, they are people who are losing power. And, yeah. and, and I think, that is the history of colonialism. It's the history of, uh, yeah. of, of the dynamics in which our world turns. And, and I think it's very uprooting when, when for the old powers to see that uh, that is no longer the case, that the dynamic is changing and, and the acceptance and reluctance to let that go is, is, uh, is what the problem is. And so powers that be will do what they can to continue that that grasp. And, uh, it's, and it's not necessarily, uh, white people. It's just, uh, you know, people in positions of extreme power. And, um, one last comment, my, my ex-girlfriend once told me that, um, I think it's a, a, it was a Mexican truism that uh, a dying donkey kicks hardest. And I, I think there is something to that. I think we're in the throes of the dying donkey and I don't know how we get to the other side, but, What's the, uh, the, the the image of the Republican Party? Is it a donkey? It's a, it's a donkey, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I hadn't actually even put those two together, but you're actually right. Yeah, that is true. I, why didn't I ever think of that? But yes, absolutely. The film is called Wuhan, Wuhan, and we're talking with the, uh, the director of the film, and that would be with Young Chang. And what has been the reaction? Has this film been seen beyond the film festival circuit or... Where are we? No, I mean, we're about to enter the world premiere in Toronto at Hot Docs. Uh, the, the, I think it's the largest documentary festival in North America. Uh, as of uh, Friday, um, it'll be opening. And, um, and I guess these days everything is virtual. So uh, it's sort of this rollout into virtual festivals. And it'll be seen in the U.S. At, um, and then in Sarasota uh, Film Festival and CamFest in San Francisco. And then more to come. There's a, you know festivals around the world, and so hoping for a robust uh, release of the film first in the festival circuit, and then hopefully 
uh, more widely theatrically and I, whatever that means in this day and age. You're catching me at the moment we're about to release the movie. So okay. you're one of the early eyes on it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, great, great. Have, have any of the people it, that are in the film seen the film? Yeah. So we obviously this we had we had to get all the release forms from everybody, and we got you know, as you saw the epilogue where we we got uh, updates from everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if they've seen the film in its entirety. Probably scenes related to each character, but that has been largely left to the local team in China to 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 show them the film, okay. um, which is a first experience for me. Like I'm usually the one who brings it to the, the characters, the subjects in you know, I'd go to China, I'd show it to everyone. But um, right now, we're, well, I can't do that, obviously, but um, perhaps in the future, I'll do that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to meet everyone in person. It's been weird getting to know everyone without, and also the crew without, you know, seeing them face to face. Um, well, that is another part of this. I mean, we see the devastation that COVID-19 has wrought on people in this film, but also, I mean, in our own experiences and and how it continues to morph and these different variants. And we're, we're going to be dealing with this for a long time. And my fear is, is this is one of the first, if not, there will be others. I think our environment is changing to such a degree that these, this is sort of an inevitability of modern life moving forward that we're That's going right. to be dealing. The good news is we're finding ways in which to be smarter about getting in front of these things, which is yeah. a good, it's sort of the the good and bad of this. As we've learned more about COVID-19, we learn more about the immunology, we learn more about the virology and all those different things that'll help us in the future. But I think as a, as a world, we're going to be dealing with more and more of these kinds of situations. And I've been beating this drum for a long time. We have got to figure out ways to be more cooperative as human beings across cultures, because we're not only are we facing pandemic as a, a possible future, but when climate really kicks in, we're going to have millions of people with nowhere to go. We can't, we can't, you know, first so-called first world or developed countries cannot be so selfish. We have to yeah. look after our, our, our neighbors. And, um, and I think that is often probably the best place to start in terms of helping to control the outbreak of viruses. Uh, and, and it also with, with vaccines, you know, I think yeah. we can't hoard vaccines uh, in our respective countries. We have to, we have to share them. We have to get them out there. I know what's coming up now is whether or not uh, patents on the vaccine should be, you know, dropped so that the vaccine can be d developed and, uh, and get, get, you know, get out there more uh, easily rather than lining the pockets of the pharmaceutical companies. But the, well, the polio vaccine, Dr. Salk, he was asked about it, a patent, and he said, why? I mean, this is too important to be to be a patent, to be something that the yeah. whole world should have. Yeah. And the, and when you when as you find out more and more about the backstory behind the development of these vaccines, most of the work came from universities, from That's right. and, and public funding, and, public and funding. then and then public funding added to it. And then on top of that, the pharmaceutical companies have come in for a five dollar uh, dose. They're charging 25, 30, 35. And in some places in the third world, they're now charging 75 to 80 dollars for for I the same dose. I hope that Wuhan Wuhan kind of fills the gap in terms of putting a human face on the the early days of the virus and 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 so that we can see Wuhan for what it is, that it's uh, everyday people like you and me. And um, and I'm hoping your audience will get to watch it. Thank you. 
the film again is Wuhan, Wuhan, and we've been talking with the director, Young Chang. Thank you so very much for coming back, and uh, I wish you all the best in the future. And thanks so much. Thank yeah. you. Be well. Be safe. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music